Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We love being encouraged to live out our faith in Jesus by hearing the stories of women in our church community. We are so glad that you're here. Jesus captured Caroline Pierce's heart at a young age, and she's never looked back. With beautiful humility and grace, she invites us into struggles in her mental health, the current challenges of her marriage, and her passion for students. While Caroline will be the first to admit her weaknesses, we think you will see someone more in love with God's glory than her own. Here's Caroline and Misty's conversation. Hey everyone, this is Misty Denman, and as Kathy said, I'm here along with my friend Caroline Pierce, and we are going to talk today about her walk with the Lord, what's going on in her life, and I'm super excited to have her on because she's been one of my favorite people for, I can't remember, how long have you been at the West Campus? Almost seven years. Okay, so um, Caroline and I were on um, staff together at the West Campus, me and women's ministry, and Caroline in student ministry, and I've loved her ever since then. Um, if you don't know Caroline, you should. She is mom to Lucy Ray, and she um, is married to super cute Garrett. Um, right now, you are the fifth grade director at the West Campus. Tell us what you have done in student ministry before you were the fifth grade director. So I started as the middle school girls director, and I did that for maybe three or four years. Mm -hmm. And then I transitioned into the small groups director. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was over all of small groups for mm -hmm. fifth through eighth. And a lot of times you worked with the small group leaders, leaders in that so role. That's kind of my main yeah. focus, which yeah. I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Um, and now ever since having Lucy Ray, I'm back just part-time just doing fifth grade. Yeah, I love that. Very fun. Love that. So we always love to start our podcast with this super fun question. What's a small thing that's bringing you joy right now? Okay, so something that has brought me a lot of joy yeah. is my friends working out with me in my garage. Okay. Because I really like to exercise and yes. go to the gym, uh -huh. but Lucy Ray is almost one, mm -hmm. and it's very hard to make it to the gym or to certain classes. And so I have a group of friends that we always went to the gym together, uh, but now I can't do that. And so they're really sweet, and they come to my house, and we work out in my garage together. So did you turn your garage into sort of like a home gym? Well, kind of. Sometimes they have to bring their own weights. Okay. And their own yoga mats. Amazing. Um, but they come, and Lucy Ray runs around on the ground, and everyone plays with her and makes it doable so that I can keep working out, and it's super fun. Did you air condition your garage? Well, we have a couple box fans that don't work very well. Okay, that is— But that's the extent. That is some dedication. I'm really impressed with that, and I love the ingenuity of— can't go to the gym, but I'm going to make a gym at home. My friends are so kind. They're like, sure, we'll come hang out in the gym, even though it's 110 degrees outside. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you have friends that are do that because I'm not sure that I would be one of them. It's, it's, uh, they're very so. sweet. <laughs> I'm glad you have other friends It's been very do fun. That. It's been a really enjoyable to still be able <laughs> to do that. Uh -huh. After the super hot summer, I'd say mm -hmm. maybe one of my small joys is just having air conditioning. Yes, so, just being inside. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm super impressed with you going out to your garage. That's a great one. So tell me about the origins of, and I'm going to say Caroline Smallwood Pierce, because for many years I knew you as Caroline Smallwood before you were Caroline Pierce. So just tell me about the origins of who you are and how you are who you are now. 
So something that I would like to start with is that I like to joke that I peaked in high school. <laughs> um, I don't most, know that that's true, but I didn't know you were in high school. Yes, so well, most did. people, when they're telling their story, they yeah. kind of have a hard time and they don't really grow into their faith until mm. maybe college or adulthood or something like that. But I always felt like I really grew into my faith in like middle school and high school. Okay. And so when I was in high school, I really kind of knew what it was to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why I say I peaked in high school, which is kind of a joke. I love it. But, you had um, a spiritual peak in high school. Yes, yes. Yeah. I spiritually peaked in high school. Yeah. But that's because I grew up partially going to church. Mm-hmm. And so I had seen what it was to be a believer. Yes. And what that looked like. And my parents kind of told me a little bit about Christ, which was nice. Um, but I didn't. I started my relationship with Christ whenever I was going into maybe fifth grade okay. at a summer camp. Okay. I'm seeing a parallel. Let's just stop right here. I'm seeing a parallel right now because I, one thing I've always loved and noticed about you is how your face lights up when you talk about students, particularly middle schoolers. So do you think your own experience as um, someone whose heart kind of caught on fire for the Lord in those middle school, high school years plays into how much you love student ministry? 100%. Because I think a lot of people look at students and think they are too young to get it. Yes. And I got it. I got the gospel. I got what Jesus did for me. I got who He was, and I was serious about it. I mean, starting in fifth grade, but then really grew in middle school, really grew in high school. But I got it, and they can get it. I mean, it saved me. We'll talk about my life still being hard and having hard times, but it saved me so much grief to learn how to follow the Lord at that age. And it wasn't because life was easy. Right. It was because people took time to teach me about Him and didn't look down on me because I was young, Yes, but believed in me. And I fell in love with him in middle school. That is so cool. And I re- I truly have always noticed how your face lights up in a really um, special and unique way when you talk about particularly middle school girls. And so now I know why it wasn't just a random gift that the Lord, I always knew it was a gift from the Lord that He gave you that love for them. But I love connecting the dots as to why. And I love how you esteem that age group, that um, and just believe in their ability to truly walk with the Lord and 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 understand deep things of of God. And anyway, that's beautiful and lovely. Okay, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just making those connections there between your love for um, other students and where you really began to fall in love with the Lord. Yeah, for sure. So I started my relationship with Christ at a summer camp um, over whenever I was in middle school-ish, and I really, I understood what it meant. Looking back, I had already heard that He forgave me, but it was that summer that I realized He wanted a relationship with me. Beautiful. And I I understood what that meant, and I wanted a relationship with Him, Mm -hmm. too. And so that's kind of where it kicked off and where I started that relationship. So how do you explain that? Or just tell me now, I was going to say, how do you explain that to middle school girls now? But when you say, I wanted a relationship with him and he wanted a relationship with me, will you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah. So I think 
it started with knowing he wanted one with me. That's yeah. why I wanted one with him. Yeah. Is we actually saw a skit of like the crucifixion resurrection. Mm. And I remember seeing he loved me so much that he went through that wow. because he wants a relationship with me. And so that made me like, well, if he wants a relationship with me, I want to know him. If he loves me that much, wants me that much, then don't I want to be close to him? No one has ever loved me like yeah. that and ever will love me like yeah. that again. And so don't I want a relationship with him? Yeah. Um, and then in the the following years, I learned kind of what that looked like because I knew I wanted it, but I still was in the fifth grade. So I didn't know how yeah. to do that or yeah. what that looked like. But something in your heart loved him because he first loved you. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. And so around that time, my family and I moved. We moved to Oklahoma, okay. and things were really rocky. I mentioned we had gone to church, but definitely weren't following the Lord. Yeah. Rocky in your home? In, in our home. Okay. And, uh, my parents did not get along. They they go on to get a divorce later, but they did not get along. Okay. My brother had a lot of anger issues. Home was not a safe place. Mm. I did not feel safe. I didn't enjoy being there, and I felt very lonely. I'm sorry. I appreciate that. I wouldn't change it because that is when I learned what it was to have a relationship with the Lord. And I look back, and those were sweet times where I was in my room on my knees, in my room prayer journaling, in my room just crying out to God and talking to God and getting to know Him in a way that probably a lot of 6th, 7th, 8th graders don't do. Sure. And it was sweet, sweet time mm -hmm. to spend time with Him and get to know Him mm -hmm. in a deep way. It mm -hmm. felt like He was the only one there mm -hmm. for me, but and I quickly learned— in a lot of ways. And I quickly learned He was the only one that I needed. Um I learned how to talk to him and still be joyful. No one knew that things were hard. No one knew that I didn't have a great home life or didn't love it at home. But, and I wasn't being fake. Right. I just was loving the Lord and and finding joy from him. Yeah. And he was your confidant and he was your protector. Yes. And he was your best friend, it sounds like, in yeah. a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. Okay. So these are, these are those years when you first moved to Oklahoma, um, you get into middle school. It sounds like this is late elementary school. You get into middle school. You join a youth group at your church. What does that look like? Yeah, I joined the youth group. Absolutely loved it. My parents wow. didn't keep going to church, but yeah. I just asked them to take me, yeah. and they did. I was there anytime the doors were open, and that's where I found examples of how to follow Christ. So okay. I I wanted to follow Christ and I was praying to him and talking to him, but I didn't even really know anything about him or what that actually looked like. And so at that point I got mentors, small group leaders that invited me into their home and showed me what it actually looked like to have a life that was lived after him. Wow. Um, in a relationship with him. You know, I I had an idea of what he was like, but they were helping me theologically, making sure I was staying on track yeah. and reading my Bible, like learning more about who he was and not just how to talk to him, which was really cool. Right. It was right. a cool time to do Bible studies and and learn more about that. And so I think before that I knew I didn't want a life without God. I think my family, they weren't necessarily living a life with God. And it was a little chaos. I knew I didn't want that, which I'm very thankful for. I think that's one of the reasons I 
never have really strayed from the Lord is because I had seen, before I even met the Lord, I had seen a life without Him. I did not want that. But I think at this point, I realized not only do I want a life with God, but I want God. I knew I needed a life with God because it brought peace and joy. But at this point, people started introducing His characteristics to me, and it made me realize I wanted not just the life that He gives, but I wanted Him. That is so well said, and I love it so much because I think I have often had the tendency to want His gifts. Yes. And not necessarily him, but you, even from this very young age, understood, yeah, I want the um, more peaceful life that I know I can have with him, but primarily I want him. Yes. We're studying the Psalms right now on Women in the Word, and there's something about your story that reminds me so much of the psalmists that kind of go back over and over to, I want you, Lord. Yes. You know, yes, there's all this chaos around me, and the answer to that is you. And then, gosh, what a uh, what a great example it is to realize how much just pouring some time into um, someone else, whether it's a student or anyone younger in the faith than you, can make a difference in their walk with the Lord. Because I feel like that might have been an age in which you were pursuing the Lord, but you needed someone to help you know um, you're talking to him, but who it is exactly that you're talking to. Yeah. So you got to see what it looks like in a home when there's a there's people in it that are just interacting with and walking with the Lord every day, like what it looks like in real life. Yes. What a gift yeah. that was. Oh, it was such a gift. It was amazing. And it was around that same time that I went to a conference. Okay. And so I was just learning kind of who God is. And at this conference, there's thousands of people there. We heard from speakers that I had heard of, but never really heard. And so so now I'm in high school. I'm a little just thinking deeper and getting deeper. And at that conference, there was also worship, and I engaged in worship like I hadn't before. And I look back still, and when I came home from that conference, I will mark that time in my life where I realized that He was worthy of all praise. Mm. Before that, I was like I knew He was worthy of my life. Okay. Now, at that point, I realized He is worthy not only of my life and my sacrifices, but of all praise, all people, all glory. Wow. And that also set a trajectory for my life to come. It was like, why would I do anything that wasn't for His glory or for His name? So it's almost like you, it, it that conference helped expand your view of who God is. Yes. Yes. I and think. how did worship play into that? You mentioned that you learned to worship Him there. I think I just realized, man, we're singing these things that are true about God. And if I believe these things, my whole life should be yeah. worship. I mean, yeah. we're singing that He has risen from the grave, that we're singing these truths that are amazing. And I just realized, if this is true, if there was a man that lived and he was perfect and he came down and he was God and he gave his life to die and then he defeated death and he is only loving and he's just, and he's perfect, and he's holy. If these are true, there is nothing else worth any of my time, efforts, focus. Yeah, It was like singing these praise songs and just 
um, ignoring the rest of the world for that time. Yes. I mean, it was a couple days. Like, yeah. just for that time, I was realizing there's nothing else that's worth yeah. my focus and my You know praise. what I think is cool about that is I think maybe other people aren't like this, but I often equate I haven't had a lot of those prolonged kinds of worship experiences in my life, but I think we often equate those with heightened emotion. And yeah. it's almost like, and you may have had that, but it is like it renewed your mind yes. and you had a heightened understanding in your mind of who God was that led to a, a change in your behavior yeah. and in your thinking. Because I would say, I mean, to this day, that heightened mindset is still with me every day. Yeah. I mean, it changed my what life. A gift. Yeah, more than it just changed my emotions or my affections, even. Right. It really changed my life and my perspective wow. of life, really. That's remarkable. It was, I mean, praise God. It was praise God. That is remarkable. Wow. So I like, I really, yeah, like I said, I like that aspect of all of these ways that you're explaining your walk with the Lord because you are integrating your, as a young adult woman, as an adolescent young woman, you are integrating your emotions that I know you had about what was going on in your home and just all the normal adolescent feelings with the truth of God's Word, with um, watching other people walk out their faith and wanting to learn from them and be like them with this ever-expanding um, view of uh, the magnificence and worthiness and greatness of God. I can see why you said you peaked. Yes, <laughs> I mean, school. it just was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you plat peaked and then yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe there's a but plateau there. I see it there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these were bedrock foundational truths. They formed your relationship the Lord with the Lord. And I, I just, I, I think one thing that stands out to me in your story is that you are describing both a friendship with the Lord coupled with a honestly, sort of a reverence mm -hmm. and a sense of awe for the Lord um, that I think we should all be leaning into. And I know sometimes I will lean much harder into one than the other. And then when I'm thinking a lot about one of those aspects, either sort of the personal friendship with God or the reverence and awe, one of those things kind of increases and the other one decreases. But you were holding these two truths um, sort of at the same time, which is exactly the way we should be doing it. I, I, that's a great example to me. That's so good. So if you move into adulthood, so we, we're, we've gone through high school, you've, you're, you've peaked. I've peaked. Um, <laughs> hopefully not to go downhill, but you've peaked. As you move into adulthood, tell us more about how your, this really strong foundation and walk with the Lord gave you hope and help as you have dealt with hard things in your life. Um, you and I have been friends a long time, like we said, um, five, six, seven years. So I, I have watched you battle anxiety and depression. Will you tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. So I think that was something that kind of caught me by surprise. Mm -hmm. I think because of my solid relationship with the Lord mm -hmm. and love for Him, I was a really joyful person. Yeah. And people would have described me as that. Maybe I think still so, maybe. I, I think so, yes. Um, and so I think I do have a lot of joy, but I 
anxiety and depression kind of took me by surprise, ca- caught me off guard, mostly starting in college. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was I was just starting to process those hard things. I mean, my home was hard and there was a lot of trauma that came from that. And that does a number on you, whether you have a relationship with God or not. I think that's well said. And so I started to see that trauma come out in anxiety and depression, and I wasn't sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so I, it looked a lot of different ways. A lot At first, it was more anxiety, okay. and that kind of paralyzed me. Maybe I couldn't do the things I wanted to do, couldn't make the decisions, didn't have the mental space to do things I wanted to, a lot of panic attacks, okay. and a lot of I didn't know what to do. A lot, you know, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to do with it. A lot of that. And then depression probably was a little bit after that more so. And that looked different too. It maybe was that I was so depressed that it took everything in me to get out of bed during the day. Maybe it was that I didn't want to do anything that I normally really liked to do. I didn't find joy in anything. I was pulling away from people, didn't know who to talk to about it, or if I should, or was it normal, was it not? I don't know. Um, And then also just so bad that it just felt so difficult that I couldn't imagine living another day. You know, sometimes I didn't want to. I had some suicidal ideation where it was like it just would be easier not to do this anymore. Because it was so hard. It was just so hard. And I, looking back on that, I think there was a lot of reasons I had anxiety and depression. Now, it's been a few years since I've struggled with either of those. Praise the Lord. Maybe I will in the future. But looking back on it, it was so difficult. I mean, it just made life hard. I don't know why it happened Mm -hmm. necessarily. I don't know why some people experience it and others don't. I don't know if I handled it correctly. It was so difficult, but God was so present and consistent and faithful during it all. I would say it was the first time that I didn't know what to do, but I knew who God was. Mm. I didn't know if I should seek counseling, which I did, or if I should seek medicine, which I have, or I didn't know if I was glorifying God in the way I was handling it, but I knew who God was and I knew who he said I was. Yes. So if I wasn't handling it right, that was okay. There was grace in that, but I knew that God was good. And so every single day that I struggled, I just went back to the Lord and went back to scripture. And Caroline, let me say that I watched you and I know I didn't know you till I got, you were probably in your 23, 24, Mm -hmm, 25, something like that when we met. I watched you struggle with anxiety and depression, and I watched you pursue the Lord at the same time. I watched you fight for joy, um, and not joy as a feeling of happiness, but as a um, knowledge that even in the hard, God was there and God was good. And there's a lot of—obviously, that was really hard, and my heart hurt for you, but— I always knew there was a lot of beauty in that, too. And um, some of the story you've just told us from your early years helps me understand how you battled that. Um, So in my mind, kind of beautifully, even though that seems like an oxymoron, because you had both that foundation of um, the feelings of who God was and what he meant to you, but 
my guess is in those years, those months, whatever, when you were really struggling with anxiety and depression, you were relying on what you knew to be true of God, whether you felt it in the moment or not. Absolutely. I had a youth pastor who taught me to trust God, not for what he's doing, but for who he is. Beautiful. And she told Ooh, me that. just say that again? Yeah. Trust God for what he's doing, not for what he's doing, but for who he is. And how do you know who he is? From his from scripture, yeah, from experience, you mm-hmm. know, but mm-hmm. getting in that scripture, yeah, and and reading about his truths and who he is. Mm-hmm. And so that was a time for me to to trust him, not based off feelings, mm-hmm. but based off of truth and what I truly believed. I guess I realized that you can say you have faith until something challenges that faith. Yes. Then you realize, do I really yeah. have faith? I, yes. I, I knew God was good. I said God was good. But when I didn't feel that God was good, did I still know He was good? That is profound. Did I still know that He was good when I didn't feel that way? Yes. And yeah. it, 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 He is. That's a profound truth. No matter how we feel. Yeah. I also think another thing I learned in that time was that just because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. Oh. And it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Yes. I think I, like, I didn't really tell very many people that Mm -hmm. I was struggling with that because I was embarrassed. Of course. Going back, man, that's such a bummer because just because life is so hard does not, it's not something to be embarrassed about. And something I learned is that you can have a really, really hard life and praise God at the same time and not be a hypocrite. I think that those are my heroes of the faith are those people who I've seen either in books or in real life who do have a consistently hard life in many ways and still walk really closely with the Lord. And it's exactly what you're saying. There as well. And then that truth, too, I think that's important for us to remember that your struggles with with depression and anxiety were not because um, you weren't pursuing God. It might have been from the trauma of your childhood. It might have been brain chemistry. It could have been whatever. But uh, you were... You were pursuing the Lord during all of that. And I I think that coupled with some of the other helps you got... um, got you to where you are today. Yeah. Because I I saw you struggle deeply, and I saw you pursue the Lord hard. Yeah. You were a great help during that time. Well, thanks. I I don't think I—that was from the Lord because, yeah, my heart hurt for you. Um, And I love—I've loved watching your faithfulness and all of that. How have you cultivated— and kept a grateful heart in the midst of your hardship? Because that is something I see in you as well, is that you have always maintained a sense of gratitude uh, and thankfulness, just this baseline of that, even when you're struggling. How have you done that? Well, I think I learned the hard way because I did not do that at first. Okay. I just wasn't super grateful for my struggles until I saw— well, it really is. It, I mean, that that yes. takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. Until I saw God using them mm. and and just realized—I mean, it's just about perspective. Okay. I think just the perspective that God's truth is bigger than what the world throws at us. Oh. And so it was like, well, everything on this earth will end. Yes. Everything is like a mist. It will all end, whether it's over a year, a day, 
20 years. It will end in God's faithfulness and His truth and His Word will continue. And I want to focus on that, and that brings gratitude. So I think knowing that brings gratitude. I also think that I just—God— has just blessed me to put me around both types of people, people that have had gratitude in their suffering and the people have that have not. The people that have not are miserable, mm-hmm. and the people that are can still be filled with joy and peace and worship for the Lord. That is really well said. And I kind of want to shout all of what you just said from the rooftops because that idea that nothing in my life may feel any easier for one day, five years, 20 years, or until I go home with him. But that's a short amount of time in the perspective of eternity, and I have something to look forward to. That is all true, and it's super hard to believe and to cling on to. When you think, I have 20 more years of this, I have 40 more years of this, I have, I'm have i only 20-something, what if I live to be 100, I have like 80 more years of this? You know, like, that's not an easy truth, but it is true. It is true. And it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference. And I think it kind of reminds me of when I went to that conference in high school and my mindset was changed on who God is. Uh-huh. I think I pray for and have a similar mindset change of time and eternity and what you can see and what you can't see and what is going to last and what's not going to last is that it is so hard to remember that this life is short and is a mist because it seems like it is forever. But I truly do believe, just like I believe that Jesus really did love me so much that He died for me and rose again, I truly believe that one day I'm going to spend eternity in heaven and on the new earth, and that is what I want to live for. This will seem—it'll seem short one day. And that kind of goes back one more time. I'm I'm seeing this come out of your story to knowing the truth of God's Word and using that as a way to renew your mind day by day instead of only relying on the feeling that I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life because the truth is it will seem like a mist in the moment it seems like I can't deal with the next however long. Yes. So that's that's going back to the truth of God's Word. Well, and I love that you said day by day because yeah. you are fighting emotions mm-hmm. and lies. And do you know what comes every single day? Emotions and lies. Yes. Those come naturally into my life. Yes. Every day I'm having emotions that I need to fight against, lies that I need to fight against. And so I have to be in the Scriptures every single day. Now, if I miss a day, there's no guilt sure, in that. Sure. The Lord has grace, and He puts—I've hidden the Word in my heart also. Yeah. But every single day, I've got to get in the Word because I'm fighting this battle every day, and the lies, the emotions, those aren't going to stop. Right. And so if I'm going to fight back with truth, it's got to be a daily thing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to— uh, you don't have to tackle knowing that these emotions are going to come for the rest of my life and I'm going to have to fight them forever. You just do today's battle Today. with the Lord. And then tomorrow, His mercies are new and you two will do it again. Exactly. Tomorrow. Ah, oh, so good. So good. So you've also um, shared with me, uh, and I've walked alongside you a little in this, that your marriage has been hard. How long have you been married to Garrett? Um 
tell me a little about him and when you uh, met him, when you started dating, just give us the background of that a little bit. Yes. People think we have the most adorable story, which it, I mean, it, it is, is cute. Adorable. It is cute. But yeah. we met, he went to my church that I grew up at and loved and he loved it too. In and Oklahoma? Had small group leaders in uh-huh. Oklahoma. And so we met, I was probably in middle school. He was in high school. Okay. And I had the biggest crush on him. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I mean, I still do think that he's so cute and love the Lord. And he was just my type. And so I had the biggest crush on him. Probably, I say, starting around 14, age 14. Uh, he didn't have a crush on me till about age 27. <laughs> <laughs> Unrequited love. That's what people think is cute. I think I had to wait for 13 years. Right. So right. didn't seem so cute yeah. at the time. But we were friends on and off. And yeah. then once we grew up and we both actually had moved to the DFW area. Yeah, around age 27 or so. We just got back in touch. You kind of reconnected because yeah, you reconnected, had lost contact with yeah, each other. Basically. Yeah, basically. Started dating um, and then got married fairly quickly. I mean, we knew each other very well. Right, um, right. So once we reconnected, got married fairly quickly. Um, and now we've been married. We're about to have our fourth wedding anniversary. Okay. And yeah. how old is Lucy Ray? Lucy Ray is almost one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we were married three years yeah. without her and now one. Got it. So tell me, Tell me what's been hard. So I would say, or I tell people, I think our marriage has been harder than your average marriage. I think every marriage is probably hard in some aspects. Of course, because it's two sinners who are married to one another. Absolutely. It does not sound easy. Um, I would say ours has been harder than your average marriage. And I think you would agree. It has been a big struggle kind of since the beginning. I'm not exactly sure why that is, other than we're two sinners who have brought trauma from our past into yeah. the marriage. I think that our our particular sins that we struggle with and our weaknesses don't mesh well. They they butt heads more mm-hmm. so maybe than some. And we've just been slow to figure it out. Um, but we have not, it's not from lack of effort. Absolutely. Um, I, have, I have seen that too. You've seen the effort that we've put in, yes. but it has been extremely difficult. And again, I think I went through a similar thought process of when I first had some anxiety and depression was, you know, what am I doing wrong? Right. Why is this so hard? Am I a bad Christian? Is mm-hmm. he a bad Christian? Mm-hmm. Now, we never really questioned whether God wanted us to get married because we we're very sure about that, which has been the foundation of our fight, of our fight for our marriage, is that we were sure that God called us to marry each other. And so we have that has made it easy to be faithful to fighting for one another. But I think we've questioned, is there something wrong with us? Am I, you know, a bad Christian not following God correctly? And, but I've gotten to the point where I did with anxiety and depression of, no, life is hard. There are, there, this is a broken world. Life is hard. People are hard. Relationships are hard. And, it's not even something to be ashamed about. You know, I would say some people that might listen to this podcast might kind of know we have a hard marriage. They might be surprised to the extent of how hard it is because sometimes you want to keep it a secret. I don't know why you're ashamed it's hard. Right. We're not doing things wrong. Yeah. We're doing things really well. We're seeking counsel and we're talking to other people and bringing other people in and confessing our sin. But that shame, especially even just coming on the podcast, I had to tell him, hey, I'm going to mention that marriage is really hard for us and it's current. 
It's currently really hard. Yes. It's not just... It wasn't just in year one. It was really, really hard. Yes. It's it, hard right we're now. Not, and you're both pursuing the Lord. We didn't and, wrap it up with a bow and now yeah. things are amazing. It's hard right now while we're pursuing God, while we're doing ministry to other people. I think I felt a little bit like, have felt like a hypocrite in the past. If I'm pouring into others and telling them about the truth and speaking about how much I love God, but my marriage is so difficult, is that wrong? And that, of course, that's not wrong. I'm still pursuing Christ, even in my marriage, even if it's difficult and I fail and Garrett fails, that there's nothing to be ashamed of there and God can still use us. I um, am so glad you mentioned that battle against shame because I do think that that's a tool of the enemy. I mean, I think that's one of those lies you mentioned that we have to fight against, that we should be ashamed somehow of those hard relationships in our life. And so I particularly... um, I'm glad you brought that up. And then also that thing that I think all, well, I'll say all of us, it's probably not all of us, but many of us, including myself, uh, have to really battle is wanting to project a certain image Yes, of having it all together, of everything being fine or really good. And I think in my own life that often comes down to pride yes, and not, well, yeah, nothing other than that, than pride. So I'm so grateful to you for bringing those thoughts and feelings to light because I think I'll, most of us have those things and sometimes won't even, can't even admit them to ourselves. And you not only admitting them to yourself, but then saying them here helps all of us. Yeah. Well, and I think that that being open about your current struggles has to come from wanting God and wanting God's best more than you want that image Ooh, of yourself that's convicting. looking good or this is what my family looks like, this is who we are, because that is so tempting to not confess or be honest because you really want that image. And I've been there. And, yes. you know, Garrett and I didn't tell people for a while that we were really, really struggling because we didn't want our image to be broken. Yes. But then when it got down to it, we just kind of both decided we want God and His glory and His goodness more than we want people to think that we have a good marriage. And so we need to bring people in on this that. or God's not going to get the glory. I kind of, there's been like a million things that you have said that I'm like, would you just say that like two or three more times so that it (laughs) soaks in? But you wanted God's glory more than you wanted your reputation to be a certain way. And that's not true every day. Of course it's not. But. Yeah, or every moment. But I think, and Praise God. I think it just goes back. This is why I say it peaked in high school. It just goes back to high school where I feel like I met the Lord and truly met Him and who He is. Not just checking the boxes or trying to live a good life, but His character and His goodness. And so now when I realize I want something more than I want Him, like a good image or something, I know something's off because I know deep down nothing would compare to him and his glory. Beautiful. Sometimes I think I wonder 
what exactly does humility look like in this or that situation? This is what humility looks like in the midst of um, difficult relationships. And this is what humility looks like when you have um, you have a pretty public um, career. Yes. And this is what humility looks like in in that. And both I can walk with the Lord and pursue Him, and so can Garrett, and uh, we're committed to this, and it's hard at the same time. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. I also, I do want to say that, I mean, it was so hard where we talked about, is this worth it? We, I mean, we talked about the D word, divorce. Yeah. Now, we never went down that path at all. But I can see how tempting that is even for strong believers. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage people that are listening that, man, it is worth it to stick it out. Obviously, I'm sure you could do a whole podcast on marriage and God's covenant and making a promise before the Lord. But I just want to say that that's how hard it was. Yes. That it was so hard that me and my husband, Garrett, who both love the Lord dearly, wondered at times, is this worth it? Should we bail? Mm-hmm. And we won't ever bail, mm-hmm. but that's how hard it was. And knowing that God was with us through that and mm-hmm. sticking it out with Him mm-hmm. every single day mm-hmm. is going to be worth it. It's in like in Galatians 6, 9. We just read it in church a couple of days ago. It just talks about, do not give up the good work you're doing because in due time, you will reap from that. Yes. And that is true in a lot of different situations. And for us, it's been true in marriage. And it's been true when we have a one-year-old and we're trying mm. so hard to love each other every single day. And that it's just applicable. It's applicable and it's it is. true. It is. Yeah. Let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Again, renewing your mind. Again, relying on truth when the feelings aren't necessarily um, there. Good. Um, You also um, told me about a verse in the Gospel of John that has meant a lot to you. What is that? Yeah, John 16, 33. It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome this world. That's Mm. Jesus speaking. And I think it just rings so true. You will have tribulation in this world, but Jesus has overcome it. I mean, it goes back to that idea of we're going to spend eternity with him. Yes. And so you will have troubles here, but he's already won. Yeah. He's already overcome it. And so any tribulation that we experience in the current or in the future or that we have in the past, in the future will be renewed, redeemed. It will be overcome because Jesus conquered death and he's going to come back again. I mean, that's so cool. We're in this in-between time of we know the story of Jesus conquering death, but we're also looking forward to that he's going to come back again. And we're going to get to see him conquer sin, tears, grief, pain. Yes. And it'll all go away yeah. at some point. Yeah. Amazing. That's so good. I, I um, As I'm looking at that verse and listening to you read it, I'm thinking about how many times I've kind of thrown my heads up in the air and thought, why is this so hard? Yes. Um, well, I think the answer to that is we live in a fallen world and sometimes there's more complex answers than that. But it just reminds me, Jesus, Jesus knew, Jesus he said, said, it's going to be hard. You're going to have tribulation. But I, I've got it. Yes. I've got yes. it now, and I've got it long-term. 
Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go back to that one and try to write it down somewhere when I throw up my hands and think, why is this so hard? And Jesus was like, I told you it was going to be hard. Why. Yeah. <laughs> so just listen to me. Yeah. Oh, Caroline, I'm so thankful for your willingness to really speak openly. Um, honestly, what a gift it is about what's been hard in your life in the past and what's hard right now, because I know that both mental health struggles and marriage struggles are two places that many of us um, are walking through hard things have or will walk through those two particular places. And we are often hesitant to talk about them openly. So it has been a gift for you to bring those things to light in your own life. Because I just I just don't want to overlook the fact that it is true that we can struggle with those or other things and be walking with the Lord closely and pursuing Him closely at the exact same time. We can be loving and serving others well and walking through those or other hard things at the exact same time. And that um, doesn't really do us any good to keep those things hidden. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the things I've heard from you is that being willing to talk about them and admit them openly and bringing those to light instead of keeping them hidden in the darkness has been a source of hope and help and healing to you. I mean, ultimately, it was the Lord and certainly His Word, but also um, bringing them to light so that others could help you um, apply His Word or see um, how His character would carry you through those hard things. I think it's also just a gift to talk about God's goodness in the middle of the hard rather mm -hmm. than, like you said, there's no tidy bow around at these things right this very minute, and yet God is good, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yet He is bringing peace. Such, such beautiful truth there. There's hope and help and joy even in the middle of our hard things. What would you say if I said, wrap up your story for us right now? Like, what, what's your thought about God right now? I think I just cannot imagine life without Him. Mm. And that is on a big scale, but on a little scale of day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. of knowing how faithful He is mm -hmm. and how He is with us through it all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I was little, and I would talk to Him while I was swinging or while I was playing in the yard. And now I talk to Him while I'm changing diapers and while I'm working on fifth-grade curriculum for work. And he has never changed. Mm. And I cannot imagine doing life without him every second. And praise him that he wants to do that with us and that he's sweet enough to meet us in that. But also, not only is it to my benefit that someone's always with me and I can speak to him all the time and I'm never alone, but ultimately he is worthy of my life, my time my focus. I think he loved me first, and that's where my love came from for him. I adore and appreciate his relationship and his faithfulness, but even more so just his worthiness. Nothing else compares to him, to what he offers, to who he is. There's only life found in that. Mm. But abundant life will only ultimately be found in a relationship with Him. Now, we can be fooled into finding it somewhere else for a short time. And that's a bummer because we miss out on Him, but ultimately it's only found in Him. Gosh, 
Thank you for that. I think um, the thing that I'm going to take with me today and in the days to come is I've been pretty um, tired and kind of overwhelmed lately. And when I feel that way, or maybe there's probably some underlying anxiety in there too, I have a hard time maintaining sort of that abiding, continual um, dialogue with the Lord. It's just hard for me. I I can't quite put my finger on why, but it is. And so I think... just a real concrete way you've encouraged me just now is to, as I go throughout my day today and in the days to come, talk to the Lord and listen mm-hmm. to Him, talk and listen, talk and listen and stay with Him mm-hmm. um, and stay connected to Him. That's a gift. Thank you. Thanks for t- sharing your story. Let me pray for us. Lord, you are so good and worthy and magnificent, better than we know, um, better than we probably acknowledge most of the time. Thank you for Caroline and her stories. Thank you for drawing her to you. Um, Thank you for drawing each of us that know you to you. Thank you for your overwhelming goodness and mercy and um, salvation in our life. Thank you for turning all the hard things into good, whether it's now or down the road. Thank you for the reminder that this will pass and our eternity with you is going to be great and good and joyful and lasting and forever. Thank you, God, for bringing people into our life that put your word um, into uh, just a concrete example of what it looks like to walk with you. I pray for your hand of blessing on Caroline's life, on her family's life, um, and on every person who's listening to us today. I ask all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, be sure to follow Encouraged and Equipped.